Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's completely free. Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Ballistic Podcast. Oh, it's been so long, hasn't it been, Vikram? This is your co-host, Varun. I'm joined by Vikram and Guru. And we are live from Vikram's house for another episode on the Ballistic Podcast. I mean, it's been long, but not long enough, apparently. Yeah, clearly not long enough. (laughs) Yeah, well, see, this is my first NBA episode in probably a year or so. So, you know, fun for me. And uh, I think, yeah, I actually don't remember when I last did a... I mean, it was your choice to stop doing NBA stuff. Yeah, you know, I mean... We we kept inviting you. I won't lie, it got very boring, okay? Warriors, Cavs, Warriors, Cavs, Warriors, Cavs, Warriors... Raptors. Raptors. That was cool, but otherwise it got kind of boring, so I just took a break. But now it's a lot more equalized, so it should be a lot more fun. So the NBA offseason was pretty crazy. Um, I don't think I've ever seen this many superstars switch homes in one summer. There was Kevin Durant, Kyrie going to Brooklyn. There's Anthony Davis going to LA. Well, there's uh, yeah, Jimmy yeah. Butler going to Miami. Then there's um, Russell Westbrook going to Houston. And am I missing anybody? Chris yeah. Paul going to OKC. Right. And that, well. Kemba Walker going to Boston, the number one superstar right there. So, you know, a lot of moves. And what about just like, just, and just, Paul just like, George? Right, right, right. Kawhi and Paul okay, George. Okay, okay, the Kawhi, that, was, that was pretty big, right? Yeah. But just a question. Is Chris Paul, like, relevant in the NBA anymore? My question is, why are you putting Jimmy Butler, Kemba Walker, and Chris Paul on the same? Because they're pretty big names. I mean, I mean, I still think Jimmy Butler is. I mean, they're all stars. I think they're stars, not superstars. I think Jimmy Butler is up there, top twelve, top thirteen. Okay. So, what's your definition of a superstar? Top ten. Top ten. Oh yeah, well, I like Jimmy Butler just misses that, so I guess he's not a superstar. I say he's a fringe superstar, Jimmy Butler. Yeah, you can make a case for top ten. I don't. That's what I would put in there. Top ten, but I think I think it's fair. To sure. say he's a fringe superstar. He's definitely an all-star in the East this year, so that's nice. Oh, yeah, and Al Horford going to the Sixers. That was big. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, a, a, big, that's a pretty big move. Yeah. Yeah, the Sixers pretty, are locked in with Pretty big course. loss for the Celtics as well. In fact, I would argue that, you know... That's the bigger loss. Losing Al Horford was bigger than losing Kyrie. Oh, in a way. I 100% agree. Especially and you're a Celtics the, fan, so you, yeah, can, take, I, you can speak to that. I 1,000% agree. 1,000%. Um, Kyrie <laughs> Irving did not fit very well, which is fine. Um, but Al Horford was like the glue for that team. And now that he's gone, it's going to be tough. But we did get Kemba Walker. I think that's a pretty good addition. That's a pretty good minus by... What is that phrase? Subtraction by... Or what is that? Ad- addition by, addition by, subtra- by subtraction. subtraction. Yeah. That's, I think that's a pretty good ad. He's rusty, so. guys. Forget that. <laughs> but real so, talk, I think Kemba, yeah, I like Kemba and Kyrie basically do the same thing for the Celtics. And I think Kemba is going to be more available than Kyrie was during the season. So... Uh, you know, in that sense, I think Kemba is a fine replacement there. I think Kemba reminds me sort sort of of Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas in the way that you know both of them can play in the pick and roll, and like Brad Stevens can like get out like break out some of the stuff that he had in his playbook for Isaiah Thomas for Kemba Walker. Yeah, and same thing with Kyrie. The nice part is 
unlike Isaiah Thomas, Kemba Walker's taller and is not as much of a defensive liability. But still, you know, defense is not a strong suit. But then again, Brad Stevens got Kyrie to buy into a defensive system, so we'll see what he can do with uh, with Kemba. Well, did he really buy in? He left. Well, I'm talking about his actual performance. <laughs> I'm playing devil's advocate, that. I guess. Well, his he, performance on the court was far superior to his time in Cleveland. Uh, Kyrie's defense was, at least. Uh, anyway, we should. <laughs> the reason we're even talking about the Celtics is, of course, because uh, they're four of their starting five are playing for uh, the U.S. team at the uh, at the World Cup this uh, this summer, starting tomorrow. Uh, yeah, six in the morning or something like that. Are, are they actually all starting? I I don't know if they're all starting because I think either no, Jason Tatum or Jalen are. Brown is not starting. all of them. Yeah, one of those guys is going to come off the bench. I would I would imagine. Sure, but, but pretty much Celtics. I mean. It's yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how the U.S. team performs this year. Uh, well, I think Serbia could win. I think Greece. I mean, if Giannis goes off, it's all over for every team because nobody can really stop him. Is Luka Doncic playing in that tournament? I don't know if Slovenia is playing in this. I don't. I'm not sure. Well, who else is on Greece? So there's Giannis and then and his brothers. Okay, <laughs> Giannis and his brothers. I mean, well, but, but his brothers are not. His brothers are not as good as Giannis. I would. I would well, say certainly that. not. They're. I mean, but they're both. You know. So are, are you really are you NBA saying NBA USA is not the favorite to win? The field is favored this year. Over the US. Over the US. Really? Yeah. So you think the USA won't win this year? I think they're they're still. I think if you had to pick one, I would pick still pick the US team. But in terms of if I had to bet against the US, I'd, I'd take the field. Essentially, so mm. I I would bet that some other team would win. So like who are, then who are the other candidates in that in that you know who could beat the U.S. Serbia effectively is one. Serbia. Who's on Serbia? Jokic, Jokic, okay. and a bunch of NBA players like uh, you know, the Elitsa is on that team. I think Nick Lathis is on the team. I could be getting that one wrong. Okay. Uh, there's a bunch of guys. I'd have to look at their roster, but they, they isn't have, Nick Lathy's Greek. Yeah, I think he's he's on the Greek team actually. But yeah. there 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 are some like actual okay. NBA players across the international spectrum that are there, uh, and names that you would know pretty well. So mm. I mean, Mario Hajonia, is he playing? I have no idea if he's playing or not. Is he in the NBA still? <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, he, 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 he is still in the NBA. He is on oh, the Knicks, right? Is no, well, he, 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 moved. he moved on to oh, okay. the Blazers, I believe. I okay, I, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't even right. know anymore. Yeah, that's that's how that's how. But present he is. And so speaking of the Knicks, like they effectively failed this offseason, didn't they? Like it, it was weird because everybody was saying, "Oh, watch out for the Knicks! Watch out for the Knicks!" They traded Christoph Porzingis. They got cap space. Mm. They got draft picks. Watch out for the Knicks! And yeah, we watched and. Well, I think it's just a very season. dysfunctional franchise. I mean, they keep switching the guys at the top, and when you keep doing that, the direction changes. So they didn't get Kevin Durant, but was he ever gonna go there? No. Right? And no, they didn't he wasn't. get Kyrie. Was he seriously going to go there? I mean, that's that's the thing. And then, was this... I mean, yes, they did not get the superstars, but they did set up a decent roster for the next two years. That's I think that's the whole point. They're surrounding R.J. Barrett, Kevin Knox, and if Dennis Smith counts in that trio, with some of the veteran players well, to stay a little competitive. But I think that's their whole thing. You actually have to play your young players for them to develop. Which I think they will, right? So no, they're, they're absolutely not. They're R.J. Barrett, Kevin Knox will play. Over, I mean, R.J. Barrett is definitely going to play. I yeah, mean, there's a reason I'm why they drafted him number over three. Over Randall and Well, you could Todd put Randall Gibson at the four. And Gibson, Bobby Portis. But we're talking about right. all these guys that are in this 3-4 mold, right? Right. Like, all these guys are going to play the same position. They well, have, like, I mean, seven or eight They're really only in two-year deals. So, the first year, maybe not as much. But the second year, they'll probably play more. But this is, this is complete garbage from a team-building perspective, right? Like... 
It doesn't make any sense. What's our plan? We're going to play uh, Julius Randle at point well, guard. Well, I would at some say point? young players need some veteran help. I, I don't disagree. I, I don't disagree. Veterans to help the culture. So I, I, I don't think it's. That. I don't but, think it's. But I don't think. Move. I don't think Bobby Portis and Julius Randle are necessarily culture builders. If that they makes... could be trade bait going down the line because they're only on two year deals. And so next year they could be maybe Julius Randle. Julius, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I mean, one year deals no, are always probably not Todd Gibson. For, for probably not dumping. Bobby Portis. Yeah. No, for salary dumping, one year deals are but always. What are you gonna? But it, <laughs> salary dumping for it happens every year, right? We don't know. I mean, I can't predict the future, but it happens every year. Yeah. Okay. So. I, I guess, but their signings are my, my bigger problem is this, right? Like, for example, Todd Gibson, right? His best position is the five now. Right. But we really want Mitchell Robinson to play like thirty-five minutes a game. Okay, that's probably a little bit. But we want Mitchell Robinson to play 30, 32 minutes a game in, in New York. R.J. Barrett, same thing. Yeah. Kevin Knox, about the same thing. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe, Kevin maybe, Knox yeah. had the statistically worst uh, rookie season ever, essentially. Uh, so, you know. I, I, yeah, I, I don't understand what type of player he is. I just think it's too many. There's not enough shots for all these players is really the problem. Because, like, you're also bringing in Dennis Smith Jr. You have R.J. Barrett. You have Kevin Knox. You still you have, have Frank Nilakina. You, yeah, you still have Frank. He's basically gone. He's, yeah, I, I would agree. So, actually, him playing and going back to the World Cup here, France has got a pretty stacked team, too, with Batum and Nilakina and Gobert. I mean, they, they've got a pretty stacked team, it's too. pretty good. And so, you talk about, like, this is actually Nilakina's last opportunity to prove something. Mm. Uh, you know, if, if he doesn't ball out at the World Cup, he might be done in the NBA. Mm. I, I don't even know where if a team would take a risk on him. But like, let's go back to the Knicks and free agency and their like inability to pursue like you know superstars when they are supposedly playing in the mecca of basketball and where players want to come and play. I think players want to see the Knicks build a team from scratch. They have not done that in like twenty years. It's. It's unfathomable to, you know, expect superstars to come and play for your team when you when you've never proven that you can build a team. Because let's say they got Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Even Kyrie and Kevin Durant know that they would have to build a team around those those players. And it's harder to build a team when you don't have the salary cap space as well. So like, what are you going to do? You're going to have to draft, you're going to have to, you know, find diamonds in the rough and free agency. You have to you have, you have yeah, you have to you have to build that. And the Knicks have the Knicks have actually proven that they can't do it. Well, I think yeah. uh, this is an ownership starts at the top deal. Yep. Yeah, okay. I think yeah. that, that's probably enough on that. Yeah, I mean, you say it a lot. Ownership is a competitive advantage the of the NBA. Greatest competitive advantage greatest competitive. in the NBA, yeah. right? And there are a lot of teams that prove that. Uh, what New York did is a great example. Uh, Tillman Fertitta in, in Houston not wanting to pay the luxury tax is a huge problem for them. James Harden window is, is now. Last year, the next couple of years, right? If they're unwilling to spend... Now they did just give a big extension to, to Gordon, but that doesn't necessarily change their uh, their financial future there. But if you're not willing to go into luxury tax for this team, when are you going to go into luxury tax? You know, this is this is a championship window, a legitimate one for Houston. On paper, they're as talented as any other team in the West. Like maybe not as talented as the Clippers, but they have a, a sh- an actual shot of winning not just the West but the NBA championship this year. So I mean, if you're not willing to spend now, when are you going to spend? Another team. That not necessarily with a, with a bad ownership, but an ownership group that's unwilling to spend the bucks, right? They let Malcolm Brogdon walk. That's going to impact them, especially sure. because Giannis has to make sure. a choice at the end of this year. What kind of message are you sending to your superstar that you're not willing to pay a little bit of money to keep an extraordinarily competitive team on the floor? I mean, as as I'm sitting here right now, I think the Bucks are the favorite out of the East, at least, to come out. So I mean, 
what kind of message do you send to your stars when you're unwilling to spend? That too, I guess stars that you've drafted, stars that don't impact your tax situation. Yeah. Yeah, like Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, well, it, your salary cap situation. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, so tax certainly. He got yeah. a five-year, eighty-five million dollar deal from the Pacers. So, as the Bucks, would you be willing to pay that to Malcolm Brogdon? Absolutely, without in a heartbeat, because that's superstar money. No, it's not. Like, I, I don't think in, so. In the sense, like he's a young guy off of restricted free agency, so they, they're so their contract is capped. So I think he got the max contract he could get. Uh, Something like I, that. I, I don't. I don't think so. But I would not be willing to pay Malcolm Brogdon five years, eighty-five million dollars. Who else are you paying? Seventeen million a year. I mean, Terry Rozier is almost making that money, right? Like, I'd rather have Malcolm Brogdon than Terry Rozier. You know, I, I just I think I would gladly play. Uh, I would gladly play Malcolm Brogdon. And I'd gladly pay him too. So, so they basically the Bucks chose to keep Brooke Lopez over paying Malcolm Brogdon. Is that is that accurate? It would have been very difficult for them to sign both. Okay, that that is true. But there were a couple things. I mean, and this goes back to. Making you know making other strategic long-term moves like uh, signing Ersan Eliasova last year. So there are some things like that that they could have done to improve their financial situation. The the Bucks last year during free agency actually made a flurry of really really good moves. Yeah, that very, put them in. Smart. Yeah, they, yeah, and they the put way, them in a position that they are now. Five uh, million for, for Brogdon. For Brogdon, and, and that's worse. getting uh, that's definitely getting. That's, that's, it's, it's, pretty, it's not max, but it's getting closer to. Yeah. It's, it's getting closer to max. I, I think I'd also rather have that because Malcolm Brogdon, Chris Middleton, and Giannis are pretty potent. So, I mean, that's a, that's a thing. And they also chose to pay Eric Bledsoe. Yeah. Right? And that impacted a lot of things. Um, and who knows? Malcolm Brogdon could have been starting at point guard for them. Instead of Eric Bledsoe. Instead, instead of Eric Bledsoe. Who, yeah, and they, uh, they also got... Where, where's George Hill? Is George Hill still George with the Bucks? George Hill is with the Bucks still. Yeah. So okay. they did pick him up. But George Hill, you know, you don't know what you're going to get from him. I mean, he played great when he came back, and uh, especially in the playoffs. In the playoffs, he played great. He played not so well in his last time in the Jazz, and then pretty poorly for the Cavs. So, I mean, what you get from him is is question, question mark for sure. So, I mean, you know. But again, this is these are all, all these spending questions that teams have. I mean, you look at a team like the Warriors, who I don't think have made every greatest move, but... You can't fault Joe Laika for not being willing to spend, and because he is, and and same thing with the with the Cavs as well. I mean, these are teams that when they had a championship window, they paid, you know, they paid by the handful, by the fistful, to ensure that their stars had a, a solid supporting cast, that their stars had money, and it it was rewarded, right? These teams won several championships, so I mean. You got to spend. You got to pay, and I think that's one of the. That's probably the biggest lesson I've seen in the NBA. Now, I can see that. Yeah, and and now like those those decisions come back to haunt, come back to bite you at the end. But uh, you make it worth it. Banners right? fly forever. You know what I mean? Like that's the. What we say that again? Banners fly forever. Oh, like okay. When you yeah, win right, a championship, right. yeah, that okay, banners right. in in the arena. That's true. Yeah. For the rest of time, however long basketball is going to be played, right? Mm-hmm. banners fly forever so from that perspective it's all worth it right i don't think there's anybody in warriors nation that would say oh my god we we were in a really bad salary situation we shouldn't have done that so we not won championships I, I would say for the warriors they made the finals first and then joe lake paid for the team so same with the Cavs. They, well, they got, the they got very lucky. They, 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 they got very lucky with team building and team. everything everything yeah. came but together I think that's the thing right so if milwaukee can prove themselves and make the finals then I think that then I I definitely agree with you there. Then they should pay to keep that team, but they did not make the finals. And if they can't make the finals, then there's something there. But you you made yourself materially worse this year. 
Well, my, we'll my argument is we'll they're, they're I mean, now they, a worse They had team. tough decisions. And sure, sure. I don't know if Brogdon's worth that contract. That's maybe, my, maybe not. That's I'm my just saying opinion. from a product on the basketball floor, they are a worse team this year than they were last year. Right. Now, the field is also less competitive. Not so, in the East, right? Like at the top of the East, I don't think the 76ers are worse. Yeah, Kawhi is not in the East. But outside of that, the East looks okay in terms of, do you want to go up against the 76ers it, right it's, now? It's gotten yeah. better overall, but I'm saying the top has not gotten that much better. Well, I think the top of the East, the, the top three to four teams. Well, I just, I think. Okay, so who were the, the top, top teams? Are, who were the top three to four teams in the East last year? It was, it was Philly, Philly, it was Milwaukee, it Toronto. was Toronto, and and then the Celtics and, this, and the Celtics. Okay, okay. So overall, maybe they have not gotten better, but Philly has definitely gotten better. And when you're at the top, you're you're concerned with who's at the top with you. And if you're Milwaukee, you're concerned about Philly. I think yeah, it's just right a, now, I think Philly, it's a two-way I mean, race, right? Philly's got to prove themselves with that current starting five. I mean, they have shooting issues. Uh, Tobias Harris got a big deal. Um, I, I kind of questioned that big deal, but I think they had to keep him in a sense. They had to prove themselves too with that starting five. And then, you know, there's always the trade deadline to make trades. So, well, I mean, you have to see how it works out. And I mean, we'll see how they're, it works they're out. They're tied to draw certainly. Yeah. But again, Philly, they spent, they put their money where their mouth was right. in terms of putting together a pretty expensive starting five, extending. Uh, ben Simmons this summer and, and getting what they could for Jimmy Butler and yeah. Josh Richardson. I love yeah, that's, Josh. That's, that's a fantastic trade. Let's talk deal. about shooters. You know, Josh Richardson's a good one. Now I think they're going to miss JJ Redick certainly, uh, but definitely not defensively. The 76ers have the potential to be like an all-time defensive team. Like this, this starting five can, with the exception of Tobias Harris, who is at least I would say at least an above average, an average to above average defender. So strong in, guy. Yeah, but at every other position. They're playing people who are, you know, all defensive caliber or close to it. Yeah, and they say that uh, the only person who had a chance to stop Joel Embiid was Al Horford uh, when he was with the Celtics, and yeah. now they're on the same team. So, good, yeah. good luck. And now you have NBA. a lot of players to throw at Giannis, too. That's true. And so that, That's the true. reason I think they're going to miss Malcolm Brogdon so much is just because he was capable. He's one of the few players on that Bucks team that was able to create his own offense. Hmm. And so when you don't necessarily have that, when Giannis is being triple teamed and you need somebody else to get you a bucket, like I love Brooke Lopez. I, I love what he brings to the table, but the ability to create your own shot is really important. And to have lost that, you know, I just don't know how it's going to be for the Bucks. They're uh, still I, capable I, of winning, certainly. Uh, but I don't, I don't like putting my hopes in a third year player, but could, could, have, could DJ Wilson have filled the Brooke Lopez role at no, least not, not right now. Not right now. I don't, and I, I don't know that. I don't think that there is a better big man shooter at this point with the range and the volume than than Brook Lopez. So, I mean, I do really like the pickup of Robin Lopez though, because mm. that's another another solid big that you know what you're gonna get, what you're gonna get from. So, like in that sense, I don't think the Bucks had like a, a complete failure in off season, but I would say that in terms of if we're saying. Did they get better or worse? I think they got materially worse this offseason. I think that's my big takeaway. Well, they um, brought the twins together. so Yeah, well, that's going to be great. <laughs> Mascots, watch out. Uh, yeah, Wes Matthews, Kyle Korver also came. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've added some really good pieces. And I don't, I don't fault them for doing those things on the margin. But, like, losing Brogdon, you know, it's tough. They're, they're a good front office. They, do, like, they just, like, they might have made a bad decision there. But I guess we'll see. We'll yeah. see. I mean, I could be completely wrong, and, and maybe, maybe not. Like, maybe it, it was it was a great decision, and bringing these these other types of role players in is going to pay huge dividends for them. Like Malcolm Brogdon and uh, Victor Oladipo is pretty much going to be the backcourt of the future there in 
indie, you yeah. would think, right? Yeah, and you know, they Indy's got to figure out their Sabonis Turner situation. Yeah, they do. Uh, and I, I'm really excited to watch Sabonis play in the World Cup too. I think he's gonna he's gonna truck some people. I mean, he's he's a pretty dominant big when he's when he puts his mind to it. The question is. You know, teams aren't really posting up fours anymore as a primary uh, primary source of offense. In the yeah, modern... he, he's he's facing up he's facing up the basket a little too much for my liking. Well, you know, you do what you can, but I think the that's actually one of the big questions for Indiana this year is what you want to do with Sabonis. Uh, they're going to try at the beginning of the year that Sabonis Turner front court pairing. Uh, my my only real comment for this is let Miles Turner shoot threes. He's a good three point shooter. He needs more volume. And for the life of me, I don't understand why they don't run a pick and pop game with with Miles Turner. It's like it's one of their most infrequent play times. I just don't understand why they don't do that. Yeah, uh, Miles Turner. He's a very formidable shooter. He's he he's one of the more skilled guys, skilled big men in in the NBA. So I mean, we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Houston, though, let's let's talk about them for a second. They like Daryl Morey. He's He's got a flair for the dramatic in a way, making like these crazy moves, and he just made another one, Russell Westbrook for for Chris Russell was Russell Westbrook, and for Chris Paul and three first round picks. Let's let's call it what it is, right? They pretty much threw away Chris Paul's contract, in a way. Yeah, I mean that's that's what they wanted to do. Yeah. My bigger question is, I mean, if this is what you were going to do, why did we sign them to the first? Like, you know, th- there's a question about why we signed or why Houston signed Chris Paul to that max contract in the first place if this was what they were going to do. Now, I will say, I agree with Houston doing that because they had a championship window. And at some point, like, you have to go all in at some point. If you don't mm. do that, then what is the point of playing the game, right? Right. And so as a franchise, sometimes you got to take risks. But I think that this was an interesting risk mitigation move by, by Houston. I think they've made themselves better for the regular season. Uh, I think Westbrook is, A, on, on the basis of being more available than Chris Paul. Mm. He's going to play a heck of a lot more. Uh, the one interesting thing that I really like about Russell Westbrook is, well, first of all, Houston is going to stagger as much as possible Russell Westbrook and, and James Harden. But when Russell Westbrook is on the floor by himself without James Harden, they finally have a transition threat. That was one of the areas that Houston really struggled in because they really wouldn't push the pace. They ranked 21st in uh, transition points. And Russell Westbrook gives you an option every single possession to grab a rebound and take off on a one-man fast break. Uh, He's not the most efficient player, but I think he's got a chance in Houston to be the most efficient he's been in his career. Uh, one of the things that's underrated about his performance in in OKC is that he always had extraordinarily suboptimal spacing. And of course, so this is going to be the first time he's playing in, in a spread pick and roll type offense uh, with dangerous shooters at almost every other position. And so I think that that's going to be pretty valuable uh, for him at, from an efficiency perspective. The problem is when James Harden and Russell Westbrook are playing at the same time. We don't want to take possessions out of James Harden's hands because those are the most efficient possessions that the Houston Rockets had, right? And so to take some of those possessions and give them to Russell Westbrook, you know... James Harden drives down the lane, kicks it out to Russell Westbrook for three! Break. break. Yeah, right. And so, but I think the opposite of that is, is good, right? Russell Westbrook takes the pick and roll, drives in the lane, and kicks it to James Harden, who splashes, Right. I think the one valuable thing it does do for James Harden is it does take some of the offensive load away from him. And his load was so, so heavy last year and has been while he's been the star player of the Houston Rockets. You start to wonder, does that have an impact on, on him in the playoffs? And I think it does. I think it has a, a noticeable impact on him. 
But with both of them, on you Harden? Can, yeah, on okay. Harden. I think it, it really allows those guys to take nights off now, right? Yeah. Like, if James Harden is not playing with just Russell Westbrook, you're going to win basketball games. Yeah. With just James Harden, you're going to win basketball games. So, I mean, you talk about it in that perspective. I think that they have a potential to be pretty dangerous for the playoffs with a more rested version of Harden. Uh, the problem, as always, is their fit together is, is really interesting because they're both better on ball than off ball. Yeah, there's only it goes back to the point where I don't I don't want to say there's only one ball because that that statement is only used. I mean, it's used so much, but I don't see either of them be willing to play off the ball. So I, I also think to a degree, it's less that there's only one ball, but that there's only a certain number of possessions in a game and there's only a certain number of shots in a game. And I think those are the, like, from a metrics perspective, that's what we have to look at more than the idea that there's only one ball. If, if they're both going for the triple-double, will they just keep passing to each other until the there's shot clock runs out? There's that yeah. fantastic <laughs> meme of that where you just have people passing back and forth. Uh, but I think it's safe to say Russell Westbrook will probably not uh, average a triple-double this year. Probably. You, you, I, I don't think you can have two players on the same team average a triple-double. I, I, or even close you, to it. I think he, uh, rebounding maybe... He might get, but I don't think Clint Capella is going to hand him rebounds like uh, Steven Adams did. Right. Hey, one other concern is that Westbrook and Harden both led the NBA in turnovers the last three to four oh, years. Oh, that's a good point. So that's going to be an area of concern, in my opinion. But I still actually, I kind of like the fit. Um, not, I think because, you know, there's that saying, superstars always figure it out. So uh, when Chris Paul came on to Houston, that was the same question that was being asked, right? Can Chris Paul and James Harden figure it out? Uh, will they coexist? And they did. Chris Paul took a step back. I think Westbrook, I think he understands he has to take a step back. Sure. So I think he will. Um, yeah, in the playoffs, that is a bit of a concern to see how they play in the playoffs. I don't disagree with you. Down. I think they're going to figure right. it out offensively. I think you're 100% right. They're going to coexist. Problem is defense, right? Chris Paul, even at the, at his age now, is still a plus defender. In the past couple of years, he's still yep. been a really good defender. He he changed the defensive identity for the of Rockets. Houston. His 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 first year there, he so really did. One hundred percent. The yeah. problem now is Houston has been hiding James Harden. Right? They only switch when he's on this. Like mm. there there are things like that where they their system changes because of how James Harden plays defense. Your bigger problem is. There is no Chris Paul anymore. Russell Westbrook is also a, uh, a spacey defender. Let's call him that, right? I mean, he has the physical potential to be good, but he's he's basically an average defender. And now you have two defensive players that you have to hide. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you start to have real issues right. with this. And the, the reality is, and this is going to sound harsh, but Russell Westbrook and James Harden are just going to have to play defense this year. Like, yeah, if they, yeah. they want to make it to the NBA, if they want to make right. it to the Western Conference Finals, if they want to win a championship, those two are going to have to play defense. There's yeah. no there's no shortcut for that. I will say Westbrook is, when he wants to, he's actually a pretty good defender. So, so is Harden. So, yeah. No, what, what, because Westbrook, like, there was a metric. Um, I don't know about the last season, but before that, the last three seasons, he was top 10 NBA point guard in defense. Now, that is top 10 point guard. So, <laughs> if you say overall, I don't know how good that is. But I, the thing is, like, when it comes to threes, he kind of spaces out or he doesn't really close up. But when he wants to play defense, he definitely can. I mean, and he's, he's, a, he's fairly ability. good. Yeah, yeah, he's fairly I mean, good. It's just if, if he's going to put in the effort for it, that's the question. I mean, that's been the problem with James Harden and Russell Westbrook. When James Harden was on OKC, he was a good defender. Hmm. Like it's not like he's not incredibly strong. Like he's great as a post defender, right? Because there's no there's no alternative. He he has yeah. to play defense, right? And he's strong. He's pretty athletic. He's quick. 
there's absolutely no reason that Russell Westbrook and James Harden should not be plus defenders at the very least. I'm not asking for them to be all defensive players, but I'm asking for them to be able to defend their position. Uh, and right. if you're not going to be able to, you talk about matching up with somebody like with like the Clippers, they're going to throw Pat Beverly, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard at you. Yep. What are you going to do then? And you're not going to be able to defend them on the other side of the ball. So, I mean, what are you going to do then? And that's the thing with the Clippers, right? They... They have three plus, not even plus, all timed great defenders. Well, I think that might. Okay, be well, no, 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 okay, no. Especially since great. they've taken well, they've all NBA defenders. Yeah, and I yeah. think I think they will take a step back. A because Kawhi is not the same defender he was when he was in San Antonio. So in, in that sense, he's he's worse. He's still capable, especially the way he shut down Giannis, of being tremendous on the defensive end. Uh, Paul George, I I really want to see what he looks like coming back from double shoulder surgery. Uh, that really impacted his performance last year when he was, you know, a top three MVP candidate in like February, right? Uh, but as soon as he had those shoulder issues, his shot was off, his defense was a little bit less uh, impressive. So I want to see what that is. But Pat Beverly is a great player for them. But again, Clippers, Clipper problem is is their front court, right? You're riding with Ivica Zubats and uh, <laughs> and Montrezl Harrell is your front court. Uh, but the idea that you added. A playoff team last year yeah. with Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell as your core and then added Kawhi Two Leonard and Paul George yeah. to it is, uh, is quite remarkable, right? Yeah. It's compelling, certainly. I mean, they did lose Danilo Gallinari, who was a who was a solid right. and big part of their identity. And SGA. And they lost yeah. SGA. Uh, but you talk about from a spacing perspective, they still have Shamit to play. I mean, they're definitely, they've got some stuff. They've they've definitely got some stuff. I mean, I, I can't believe they got out of this offseason without giving up either Lou Williams or um, Montrez Harrell. Yeah, and, and and in a way, like now, along with their great bench that they had, they they had a great bench last year, one of the best in the NBA. Yep. Quite frankly, they had two six man candidates, um, and they still have and, them, right? And they still have them, and they added two formidable NBA starters. Um, and, uh, what does it have to say about? The Clippers front office, the way like it's one thing to have dreams, but it's another thing to have, make them come true. Jerry West is the goat, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, like, that's yeah. that's what yeah. you start going with. Yeah. You know, he's he's done tremendous stuff when he was part of the Warriors front office staff uh, to now when he's part of the Clippers front office staff. You know, he's a winner. I think even before that, going from Donald Sterling to Steve Ballmer, I think has helped immensely. The Clippers are not because a Sterling, guys, yeah. yeah, Donald Sterling. I mean, he didn't give a damn about winning. I, mean, I don't know if you guys uh, saw the 30 for 30 documentary on Sterling. Um, it just came out recently, but uh, Ramona Shelburne goes into detail. He didn't give a damn about winning. He just wanted to have a team. And now that they've gone to Steve Ballmer, and he clearly, he's clearly willing to, willing to spend. And absolutely. Yeah. You talk about ownership talked about being it, the right. greatest competitive advantage. Steve Ballmer is an, is an example of taking this franchise and changing the direction of the franchise by being involved, by trying to move to an arena, by upgrading equipment, by doing all of these things to make it seemed like this is the team that players should want to come to. Yeah. And now you have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the same team. You have a potent defensive group. The, the same question for the Clippers, as always, is whether or not uh, in the playoffs, how the heck are you going to defend Anthony Davis? You know, like that's a question. That, that is a question. Or in the finals, how are you going to defend Joel Embiid? You know, like these, these start to be problems for them especially because they don't have any big man defenders now what about the opposite how do you defend Kawhi Leonard how do you defend Paul George if Paul George is a hundred percent hundred percent right and even Kawhi Leonard same question is yeah, he's so, 100%. Yeah. they both have injury issues right? yeah. and it's I, I think that's a totally fair question 
I, I don't think you're wrong. I think it's hard to take that. But I think the one ball problem impacts the Clippers the most in that sense because your issue is both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are phenomenal ISO scorers, but neither of them has a penchant for playmaking, right? Mm. They're not like yeah. somebody like Steph Curry that's really creating looks for other players in that sense. But they're highly capable of scoring every single possession, but that yeah. changes how your offense runs. So I'm really curious to see you know, what that looks like for for the Clippers in terms of what their offense looks like. Who's their primary ball handler every possession? What are they running every possession? Because I see a distinct lack of of you know, like what I would consider a pure point guard or a pure playmaker for that team that's really setting the table on offense. I mean, you look at Lou Williams or, you know, Pat Beverly, you're looking at players that don't necessarily fit that role. Kawhi and Paul George don't really fit that role. I just kind of wonder who it is mm-hmm. for that team. I just don't know how their offense is necessarily going to work out. Uh, I think they're going to figure it out because they're all they're all phenomenal players in their own right. And, 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 they, and they have Doc Rivers who, I mean— Fantastic coach. Yeah, and like another one, like one last thing to say about the Clippers uh, before we move on, their their greatest the greatest thing that they've done over the past couple of years is remove Doc Rivers from the GM role and just make him the coach. Yeah, I, that I agree. was their biggest success, and that's really the reason why they are where they are today. Yep, most definitely, you, you cannot be a coach and a GM at the same time. You I just mean, it's, can't. it's incredibly difficult unless you're Greg Popovich. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> And even he has R.C. Buford. And, yeah, and yeah, they yeah. have a unique situation. Uh, but the reason I, I bring up that fit issue is the pairing of LeBron James and Anthony Davis on paper makes a lot of sense, right? You talk about play styles that are complementary in nature. That's that's kind of what you see, right? And the Lakers have done a really good job of, you know, instead of going for the third star, well, they weren't able to get the third star, but, <laughs> but getting pieces uh. like Danny Green is, you know, that's just good. really, really good. Yeah, you know. it, it it was it was really really good, but I'm not. I, I think we've discussed this on a previous podcast. I'm not going to give them too much credit for getting Danny Green. It's because they were going for Kawhi Leonard, and when they did not get him, they had a whole bunch of money to give to every other role player who was on the market. Sure, but they were. They, but they got they gave seventeen million dollars to Danny Green. Yeah, but I don't think that's an absurd contract. I would, yeah. I would think. Oh, well, how how I, many I years so. is it? Do you know? Um, I'm not sure. Let me look it up. If actually. it's one year, that's fine. Um, it, 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 I think it one or two years is okay. Not, it's, it's not. not it's if it's not. more, it's, it's then, pretty, then it's I agree, a pretty significant I agree that's time. too much money if it's more. But one or two years is fine. But Danny Green's game ages, right? right. Like true. what he's doing. That's true. That's true. You're talking about, uh, I mean, you're you're really, you're talking about a player whose game is going to age exceptionally shoot. well. Yeah. Oh, you know, okay. he's, he's a shooter on offense and on defense. He's going to he's going to be there. It's yeah. two years, thirty million. Yeah, oh, that's, that's I think, fine. Like, this I is think super fine. reasonable, right? You talk about you had money to spare, you pay him. They took flyers on players like uh, Demarcus Cousins, who I think was a fantastic signing up until he uh, tore his ACL, ACL and, and then is you in know domestic violence trouble and has an arrest warrant. Yeah, uh, the NBA will figure out that situation, not for our, not our place. But I like their moves on the margins, like Quinn Cook. And Troy Daniels getting some shooters like that. I, I mean, I think that they 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 did better in this offseason than we would have predicted, given what happened last year. Hmm. Yeah, that's. But I do think the the retaining of Rob Palinka without even a real search is a little weird. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's weird. weird, but I think suboptimal in a, in a sense. I, I do not see any other GM negotiating seriously with Rob Palinka. Yeah. And that's that's a problem when you start to get to the trade deadline, and LeBron says, "Where is the extra help? Where <laughs> is the supporting cast the, uh, player that I need to win a championship? You need to pull a trade." Well, the problem and is it, they're they're not going to be able to pull a trade this year. 
Uh, and but, is it because of Rob Polinka? No, I think is it's it? because the contract situation of their team is they have no real tradable contracts, right? The only asset on that team that's going to get any sort of return is Kyle Kuzma. But his contract is so low that, you know, even trying to aggregate salaries, who are you going to try to trade? Like KCP and JaVale McGee? Those are like actual contributing players on your roster. And are you actually going to get a piece back that's better than the, the twosome or the threesome of those types of players? Probably not. Probably not. I mean... I guess we can briefly talk about uh, the Lakers adding Dwight Howard. <laughs> um, <laughs> See, like that, and and that's where I sort of stop and pause because, like, the Lakers—they're well set up to be a Western Conference Finals candidate, even an NBA Finals candidate. Everything goes well, but they sort of have to play this game of minesweeper. And this, and the and the funny thing is, they set the minds. Yeah. Oh, so what were well, you guys look, just looking at? No, we were, we're looking at the additions that the Lakers had, and they had an Avery Bradley. Well, which we have no good. idea I what know Bradley, that. Avery Bradley is going to look sure, like. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he's he, like, he's like if, if he's good, great. If he's not, we so don't care. He was really bad uh, last year for the Clippers. He was good last year for the Grizzlies after he got traded. And, and then he got hurt with the Grizzlies, and then he never and, played. Yeah, I mean, and, a and, lot of it was injury issues, yeah, and yeah. I think he's, again, he's another player where you take a flyer on it, and if he's productive, you're You great. play him for 15 okay. to 20 minutes yeah. a game, and yeah, and see, uh, see what you get out of him. I did I like, like... I like him as a player. I just, like, yeah, he's had a couple of rough years yeah, because you, of injuries. You talk about locker room stuff. Jared Dudley was a good pickup. Good Jared Dudley is a good pickup. Yeah. I mean, not just, not just as a shooter, but as somebody who really sets the tone and the culture for an organization, Jared Dudley is one of the best there. Uh, with Dwight Howard, I think it really depends on what he's got left. Uh, I think he's he's saying all the right things about about playing the role. He's he did it in Charlotte. He he said all the right things in yeah. Charlotte. He said all the right things with the Hawks. Yeah, the Wizards. Hawks. With the, uh, <laughs> Wizards. the Wizards. Play with, with the Wizards. Wizards. Eh. But the problem, I mean, it is un. Unfortunately, it is not in, in contest that each of those locker rooms was happy to see the back of Dwight Howard. Apparently, because he's a goofball, and that's that's. And apparently selfish. That was like one of the big. Yeah, I mean, if he's said. if he's asking for post up yeah. possessions, I mean, I don't know no. the whole scenario inside the locker room. But speak regarding the Lakers, uh, the, my biggest concern is that their two best players are LeBron, who's who I think at this point you need to kind of restrict his minutes a little bit. Sure. And um, and Anthony Davis, who's injury prone, so they have to get through a whole season first with these guys intact, and then hopefully in the playoffs, if everybody stays healthy, then they're, they're pretty competitive in my opinion. But I think the biggest thing is health well, for that team. I think the flip side of that is look at the Clippers, right? Your two best players there are Kawhi Leonard, who needs to be load managed yeah. for that quad, and Paul George, who's going to miss right. some portion of the season with two but, shoulder but injuries. With the Clippers, I will say like they have they really proved themselves last year with Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell, and that team. They still made the playoffs despite trading away all their best players. Sure. And I think they, their core is still intact. I mean, they added two superstars, but they— their main players are still there. Their their culture, like they changed. Their culture is superior. I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you there. I think, but I'm just saying in terms of the injury risk, like Mm. I don't care if you make the playoffs. I care about whether or not you can actually win the NBA title. And the reality is, if Paul George or Kawhi Leonard is hurt, they're not going to win. Yeah, same thing. And I I 100% agree with you on the Lakers side. If Anthony Davis or uh, or LeBron James is is hurt, they're not going to win either. Right. Uh, You can look at Philly. Same problem if Joel Embiid is hurt. I don't think they win. From a health perspective, I look at Giannis as like the one superstar right. that really doesn't get hurt that much. Knock on wood here, because I, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I don't think anybody wants to see that. I, I would no, hate. Maybe we don't. We don't want to see injuries with, 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 with. We don't want to see injuries with any player. To be, exactly. To be, to be frank, we would ever. We'd rather have everybody. Yeah. Hundred percent healthy. The, the Cousins one really sucked because he just came back from a torn labrum and then he tore or, his ACL. Not a labrum, but uh, his quad. 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 Right. But that 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 really that was a big blow there. 
Yeah, um, that was a big blow, and then yeah. the wedding thing, and then with the right. kid, and okay, well, we that should part we, don't we should know. not get into yeah, that. We're, we really, know, we, TMZ's yeah. got it if you want to hear. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah, but uh, my right. my thing is, but injury, like you're right, injuries play a profound way. Like I don't think it's a hot take to say the Raptors don't win against the Warriors at full strength, yeah. or even close to full strength, frankly. But uh, no, so like what I'm what I'm saying is with the Lakers, like with the Raptors, they still had a pretty deep roster. So they could rest Kawhi. They could manage his minutes. Sure, sure. And so the, the Clippers, Clippers are the same are, thing, yeah, right? Yeah. So this is my thing with the Lakers. They don't have a very deep roster that can win. So they have they without, have players, yeah. but but can they win games yeah, without yeah, LeBron no. or Anthony Davis on certain I think nights? On one one thing. of the two, yes, yeah. absolutely. Any game in, any game out, I think they can win with one of the two uh, against most teams. If both of them are gone, probably not. But I also think if you even if you do that for the Clippers, I think it becomes well, actually, pretty hard. Even if you, I would say with the Lakers, if you. Take one of them out. I'm still pretty concerned about them winning. I'm not that back worried to back. about it. I think I think they're talented enough to do that. Okay. I really, really do. Because you're, what you're talking about is, okay, Kyle Kuzma gets a bunch more shots, right? Like if, mm. if either of them is out. And I think Kyle Kuzma is, is good enough to get you oh, to win good. games against yeah. some teams. I'm not saying, you know, they're going to beat the Clippers without either one of them if both Kawhi and, and Paul George are playing. But I mean, like I think they beat the Suns. I think they're going to sure. be. I think they're going to be strategic with how they rest. Kawhi, or uh, how they rest Anthony Davis and, and LeBron James, yeah. but I think on any given night with one of them, I think they're still competitive. I, I'll put it this way: if Anthony Davis misses twenty five games in the season, I think they're in trouble. My well, personal, the Lakers. I think if, that, if if you do the same thing for Paul George or Kawhi, I don't think it's that bad. I don't think it's as bad. I still yeah. think it, it is bad. It's still an issue. Yeah, yes. of course, of course. But I still think they can make the playoffs. Any, any, I think they're going to yeah. make the playoffs. I, I think one thing is clear: like anytime you lose a superstar, it's bad. Yeah. If, 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 and it's just like the degrees of level, levels of bad. Now, if this year, if the Warriors lose Steph Curry for any it's extended amount of time, it's al- it's almost over. Sure. Yeah, and if they lose Draymond Green for an extended period of time, that's almost, almost as, as bad. bad. So, so let's go in with that caveat. But one last thing about the Lakers. First of all, why did they hire Jason Kidd as an as an assistant coach? I have number one. No and, and, idea. And, and 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 first of all, and second of all, should Frank Vogel be watching his back? Yeah, I mean that's the yeah, whole point. Yeah, right? and that's they, all, they hired him. For, yes, he should. I assume it's just one year, and then they're going to fire him next year for Jason Kidd. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure that's no, what, no Frank Vogel. Vogel. Oh, okay. So, like, if they fire Frank Vogel next year for who? Jason, Jason Kidd. Kidd. Right. Or I even the middle of the year, right? Point. If they're if yeah. they're underperforming, it's it's certainly possible. And, and the reason for hiring Jason Kidd as an assistant is is staggering. It's, it's sort of like, oh, he has domestic violence stuff on his. We didn't want to mm-hmm. give him the head coaching job, so like, why did you give him the assistant, assistant head job? coaching job? So you can uh, promote him after. I mean, it seems uh, from a coaching perspective, I think again suboptimal. But I mean, you look at other top teams in the league. You know, the Celtics have a good coach. The Clippers have a good coach. The Hawks have, or not, sorry, what I'm, I'm talking about Budenholzer. The Bucks have a good coach, obviously. Budenholzer coached the Hawks. I mean, uh, the, the Sixers. 76ers, yeah, uh, he's Brett, done Brett, well. Brett, he's done really well for them. And Brett, I, I Brown, think, Brett Brown was good for them when they were, when, when they sucked. And he, yeah. he was sort he's, of like. He's done a good, the, yeah. a good job. I, I won't say a great job, but good job, right? Yeah. But, I mean, heck, even the Warriors, which I, I think is an undervalued team in the league. Now, I, I don't know that getting D'Angelo Russell and paying the price that they paid for D'Angelo Russell was the best option for the Warriors, but in terms of uh, actually having talent on a roster, I mean, the Warriors, especially if Clay comes back at like 80%, could really scare some teams in the playoffs. I actually think I, if they're healthy, I still think they're number one in the West. I think they can win. Yeah. yeah. I still think they're number one in the West because their chemistry is 
is pretty darn good. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think I think if so. like again, if Clay comes back, he's like eighty percent, and it's March, and he comes back, and he gets a month under his belt, and play, and the playoffs start. The Warriors are as good as any other team sure. out there, and that's the and the, and that's like the parity in, in the in the West during conference is gone. Yeah, well, uh, mm-hmm. I think people have forgotten what Steph Curry looked like without Kevin Durant. A, and then B, you know what's really nice for the Warriors? They have a guy to dribble the ball for them that's not named Steph Curry that can actually do some stuff with D'Angelo Russell. I think Steph Curry is going to have a lot of fun running off a bunch of screens and being dimed up by another point guard. I think this year, if I was to say it, I think Steph Curry talking about Draymond Green, right? Just to clarify. No, I'm talking about D'Angelo Russell. You're saying, you're saying D'Angelo, D'Angelo, Steph Curry... D'Angelo, who can handle the ball. Who's, oh, okay, who's going to okay, be a point see, guard, see, right? I see, yeah, like, got it. They run a lot of offense through Draymond, certainly. And he, he does the point forward role. But again, he's not somebody who's like standing at the top of the key trying to like break down a dude to dribble. Like that's not what Draymond Green does. He is a phenomenal playmaker. He's a phenomenal offensive coordinator, but that's not really what he does on offense. But you talk about D'Angelo Russell, who is a passing point guard, right? I mean, the idea that you now have somebody else to take a, a lot of the ball handling role on offense, I think this is going to work pretty well. I think the question just like uh, with Houston is defense. Defense. Because <laughs> Steph Curry is a try hard defender. He's, he is an above average defender because of how hard he works. Uh, not because he's he possesses any uh, extraordinary physical acumen to to you know in the mold of other great defenders. And, and D'Angelo Russell, given that he's but he he's he's a young player, but he's still he's a pretty bad defender. Pretty bad defender. Pretty uh, to be quite honest. And the, his time with the Nets didn't change that, and his time with the Lakers also showed that. So, I mean. Uh, they're going to have their work cut out for them on defense. And I don't think Draymond Green can quarterback defense every single game at the same level and then be, you know, he's a 16-game player, not an 82-game player, you know, in his in his own words. We've talked about a lot of the top teams in the West, but I think a team that's going to have something to say before it's all said and done is Denver. And the Jazz. Well, well, yeah, and, and the Jazz. Other, other teams that have done and, and this, stuff. We've already named like six teams I know, who we right? think are going to be playoff teams. That's... And like forget team like borderline teams like the Kings, right? Like there's there's so much depth in the West. I think the only team I can say is not gonna make the playoffs Phoenix. is Phoenix. <laughs> yes. Phoenix and Dallas. Minnesota. Well, and I, Dallas. even Dallas though. Like even Dallas. They've got a chance. I'm not saying it's a very sure. good chance, but I mean I think Phoenix and Minnesota both are, are not gonna make the playoffs, guaranteed. I don't know. Guaranteed. Minnesota, there's it's Yeah, Towns, Minnesota Wiggins, and then uh, who else? Covington. That's Covington. Right. Covington. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, uh, yeah, I could see us being down on Minnesota already. For for Dallas to make to make even a run at the playoffs, they're gonna have have, have to have like great years from both Doncic and Porzingis. Porzingis. Which I'm not it going to close. Yeah, happen, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I I really liked, you know, their pickup of Wright as well. I mean, that's uh, Delon Wright. You mean? Yeah, yeah Delon okay. Wright. Okay. And point guard. I think that's significant. I mean, you're talking about they they don't have a ton of depth. You're you're correct about that and. That's going to be problematic for them. I wasn't a huge fan of their Dwight Powell signing, only because I think they overpaid for his skill set. So I mean, there's stuff like that that I don't necessarily agree with, and I think that they've impacted their cap. Their they've cap they've never they've never been a pre free agent destination. So the guys they they were, they had to keep they have had to overpay. Yeah, but I I don't know that Dwight Powell has a a, a skill set that is not replaceable by somebody who's a lot cheaper. Sure, sure. He's a rim running big. Mm-hmm. And, and New Orleans too, like New Orleans, after giving up Anthony Davis, they rebounded in a pretty big way. Big way. I actually they, think they have too many cooks, or they have way too many players now that all need minutes and shots. That's mm-hmm. going to be a coaching challenge. It's a coaching challenge. Yeah, for sure. But it's Drew Holiday's team now, I guess. And uh, now, now you had Zion. You, you, really. you had Zion to the mix. JJ Redick was a good signing. 
for for them. Too many. Uh, I think they they have way too many players, right? They they are an extremely deep team, like across the board, actually. So I mean, uh, it's a good problem to have. I think they're. I'm not saying they're gonna do it right now or even soon, but I think they're gonna have some. They're gonna have to make a consolidation trade at some point. Uh, I think that the contract situation is gonna be interesting with you know with Hart and Ingram and like players coming up for extensions. How they manage this team money wise is a pretty big question. Oh yeah. Like you start talking about it, like they've got a lot of questions, but their draft picks look great, right? Not not only uh, Zion Williamson, but Jackson Hayes. Looks great. And Nikhil Alexander-Walker balled out in Summer League. So you're talking about they've got a lot of guys they want to play minutes for. They've got a lot of established NBA players, right? I mean, Lonzo Ball is a good NBA player. Drew Holiday is obviously a, a former All-Star who's fantastic. They've got players in every single position that are established. Same thing with like J.J. Redick. Are you really going to not start J.J. Redick because you want to play somebody else? No. So, I mean, but now you've got like Alonzo Ball and Nikhil Alexander-Walker coming off the bench. And you may want to get time for Nikhil Alexander-Walker to see what you have. You know, I I think they almost have too many assets, which is... uh, The reason I'm so cautious with this is we saw what happened to the Celtics. Like, what did all of the assets that the Celtics have do for them? Literally almost nothing. So, Vern's giving you that look. No, Vern. no, I like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's just, okay. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I kind of get where you're getting at. Yeah. So, well, I'm just saying, yeah. right now, I'd rather be the Nets than the Celtics. Sure. Right. Yeah. And undoubtedly, the Celtics won that trade, but they mismanaged those assets. They never flipped them for something. And it is, it is certainly a rule that assets are worth more when they're drafts than they are as players. But when, my, when they're, as they're, if they're picks, then they're as players. Yeah. 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 yeah what did I say? Drafts. Dra- yeah. Draft picks. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But I think New Orleans might be in a similar situation where they have so many assets, it might be at some point good to consolidate them while they still have some value. The problem when you don't play players is suddenly they're a devalued asset, right? Or they're worth less than they would be if they were playing a certain number of minutes. So I think this is going to be a really big coaching challenge and also a front office challenge from a what do you see your future roster looking like? And and, and the Celtics dealt with that problem with uh, guys like Semi Ojale, uh, Gershon Yabusele, um, late first round picks that you know well, they were like if, if, they, if, they, if, they, if they if they would have played maybe they increased their value value but not but uh, <laughs> right. well, but yeah. more importantly okay. trade the dang picks right they're cutting players like uh, R J Hunter they're cutting players they drafted in the first round because they don't have roster spots available so I mean at that point what was the point of having those assets if you never trade them for anything yeah. I, I agree there. I think there were there were moments where they could have traded for Jimmy Butler or Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. Yeah, but they weren't. I don't know if the it was that actually a thing. Paul George. I I, I think I it was, was at some point, right? Because I never heard any connection. About well, that. I don't I think the Pacers be, but, wanted to trade him in the conference right. or whatever. But but, but again, like, yeah, you can Jimmy you can Butler, blow him away with yeah. that, right? You can blow him away with an offer because you're not losing anything by giving up right. these assets, right? And I can say based on the results of the draft picks that they had, you know, I, I'm not super impressed, right? Even somebody like. Terry Rozier, who is a really good pick for them, is no longer on the team, yeah, right? No and it, when you have number three picks and number two picks, it's kind of not not saying it's hard, like it's not hard to screw those up, but you expect a certain level of player from the two pick and the right, three pick, right? And those types of things, like you had you had Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in subsequent years, and you, sure. you certainly got the, got it right by drafting them. Not saying you didn't, but all of the other assets that you had in those drafts, you basically squandered. Sure. And I mean, those players right. are no longer on the roster. I, so. I still remember when uh, they had a chance to trade for Kawhi. Oh, actually, no, sorry, Jimmy Butler first. And uh, Minnesota traded for him. And then Danny Ainge said Minnesota gave up too much. And I remember Minnesota gave up Chris Dunn, 
and I think it was a couple of first round. Good Chris Dunn, Zach Levine. Yeah. And uh, and they 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 swapped first round picks. So that was a pretty good deal for both sides. And I was a little surprised Danny Ainge said that was too much. Wow. So I, think I guess Danny that kind of wants to fleece guys. That, yeah. I mean, and so I think like, yeah, like, you know when you're in a position with that many draft picks, I completely agree with you. I think it's okay to give up a little bit more. It's not a big deal. Like because if you're getting yeah. a Jimmy Butler or a Kawhi Leonard, that's definitely worth it. And so this so, is a, a big picture. I would agree thing. with you. I think Boston made a mistake there yeah. in the past. Yeah. I just I, I would say that there are two teams right now that are in that scenario with OKC and and New Orleans that both have an abundance of assets that they're going to have to make consolidation trades because those assets don't help you. I mean, they help you to have, but at some point you have to turn them into something. And drafting is is an imprecise science, right? You're just as likely to get it right as it is wrong. Like, we don't know what Zion Williamson is going to look like in the NBA. There are no surefire hits. There are some that, we, you know, we figure. Like, Luka Doncic was a great pick, right? But we don't sure, know. Even then, there were a lot of uh, concerns by teams about Luka Doncic. Exactly. That's yeah, why he went so, third, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jeez. I'm looking, I'm just looking concerns. at the Suns and uh, the Kings there. <laughs> Especially the Suns. Yeah, the, Kaka- Kaka- the Kings Kaka- I get Kaka- because Marvin Bagley was one of the few players that like said, I- I'm very happy to play in-, in Sacramento. And Sacramento is Sacramento. Right. Uh, this could be some Bay Area bias here. But I-, I love what the Kings have done, just saying from a, from a big picture perspective. But uh, yeah, going back to this idea of the assets, right? It's all about when you have the assets using them to do something with. And if you don't turn those into something, you end up in a Celtic situation. Right. <laughs> it's so hot in here. Right? It's okay. so, so hot in here. Oh, my God. I have no idea why. And we also don't want to put our fan on. To, yeah, yeah. To I mean, like, guys, quality. just just so you know, like, we're in a dark room. It's as dark as it can be. I can barely see Maroon and Vikram on the other side. Um, yeah, and that's by design because... We want it to be as cool as possible. Yep, and yeah. uh, we also know if we turn on a fan that that ruins audio quality. Yep. So it's uh, it's kind of exactly. warm, guys. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So um, we've talked a lot about the West. Um, can do we have time to talk about the East a little bit? At sure. least uh, I think I think we talked about the Sixers. We talked about the Bucks. We talked about um, the Celtics ad nauseum. Who are some other teams in the in the East? Oh yeah, the Nets. We did like, talk we, about the Nets. We talked about the well, Nets. Well, actually, well, we really didn't talk about we, the we, roster we, this we, year. We our roster this year. Yeah. I think one of the things that has been the hallmark of the Nets is they haven't taken any year as a lost year. And I think they need to continue that trend this year. They are still a competitive team, an extremely competitive team this year. I like them re-signing uh, Karis LeVert. I think they paid a little bit of a premium for him. But if he's healthy, I think it's a great, it's a great signing for them. And their options to do stuff with money are limited if they let players walk. Uh, because they don't have cap space necessarily, but because they have you know rights on Levert, they're able to pay him some uh, to go and go into the tax and things like that. So from a construction like that, I think the Nets had a, a pretty good offseason. Obviously, they had they basically had as close to an A plus offseason as you can, right? Picking up uh, Kyrie and, and KD off. The and, top. and credit to them. Unlike the Knicks, they actually built a culture and they they showed that they can build a team from literally ground zero. Oh yeah, with no with no assets too. I'm looking at Varun here making fun of you. I completely agree with your Celtics take, though. Yeah. So do you, do you agree with our Nets take? Yeah, I agree. I mean, they've done a great yeah. job. I think um, that's just, it's just like you've talked about ownership. This is the example of what ownership can set. And um, yeah. they hired Sean Marks, Kenny Atkinson, fantastic duo that's built this team. Like, you know, they had no draft picks. Their, their big guy in the beginning was Karis LeVert. 
and he outplayed expectations. Rondé Hollis Jefferson outplayed expectations. Spencer Dinwiddie outplayed yeah. expectations. And he's still Jared there. Allen. Now he's Jared, he was like a twenty fourth overall pick, I think. Pretty, yeah, late. but he's he's, he's, late. he's balling. He's now. playing fantastic. In fact, they shouldn't tell the the one mistake they did make this offseason. They should not have signed DeAndre Jordan. Well, exactly. you know, you gotta, you I mean, have, you, you got to players. I, I I agree. Like you have to pay a price to get Kyrie Irving and Kevin and, Durant. You know, they and took, you got to be a friend. Right. And they took. A, and <laughs> when we have friend. time on a later podcast, we can talk about how teams are using unlikely bonuses to to have really interesting contract structures. But you know, KD and Kyrie took pay cuts to pay DeAndre Jordan. So I think you got to do what you got to do there. Yeah. Uh, but. <laughs> The conflict between having DeAndre and Jared Allen, who are essentially the same player, who do the <laughs> yeah, same fact, thing. I mean, in fact, Jared Allen is better. He's yeah, better. I think, He's better. I think, that's that, I'm that's my they point. Literally, fill the same role. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're literally going to do the. So I mean, like I'm hoping there's no politics, and Kenny Atkinson is forced to start DeAndre Jordan over Jared Allen. Yeah, you know, I think that's, that's what's going to happen. That's like the one thing I hope. That I do think happen. that's going to happen. Okay. You never know. Yeah, I mean, we, we'll see. We'll see. The culture is strong there. But, you know, you have you still have Spencer Dinwiddie. You still have Karis LeVert. you got Kyrie. I mean, you've got a roster this year for the Nets. I think they can be like a fifth seed in the East. I think they'd be a fourth or, fourth or fifth seed in the East. Uh, I think the other team up there is, depending on how Oladipo comes back, I think the Pacers look good. We talked a little bit about the uh, Sabonis-Turner mm-hmm. problem fit there. And, and we talked about uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they're I think the Pacers will always be in that in that mix. Like, yeah, because they're a good team, middle tier playoff team because they they are a good team with good culture and yeah. you know they did lose Bogdanovich, but I wouldn't have paid him the, the contract the Jazz gave him. Right. So you know, in that sense, they did they did good to not pay him in that sense. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the Jazz made some really bold moves for a, a small market team this heck year. Yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll just I mean, put well, that out there. It's it's kind of a who else are you going to get situation for them because yep. they're not really a destination. Yeah. yeah, but I'm happy I'm happy with what the Jazz have done. But I'm happy they're trying. I'm happy they like played because for a team like them, paying up premium draft picks to go and get you know a guy like Mike Conley is something that they would not normally do. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, let's uh, let's put it this way: they're my dark horse team in the West. The Jazz are, I think, rightfully so. I, I think they they've done a fantastic job. But going back to the East here, yeah, uh, you know one team we haven't talked about really. Which is really kind of sad. Who the NBA championship Toronto, Toronto Raptors, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Who were we've basically left oh, for rightfully dead. so though. Yeah, yeah, I mean without Kawhi, they're a yeah. playoff team, but I don't and, and Kawhi without Kawhi and Danny Green. Well, yeah, Danny Green both. less so, but yeah, I don't. Uh, well, the one thing I want to see is OG Ananobi come back, and he had a lost year with some personal stuff and some injuries last year. So seeing him come back is going to be good. He's going to start for them pretty much, oh, right? Absolutely. If he's healthy, he's starting. Yeah. Uh, same thing. I, I want to see what Pascal can do. Moving forward, they probably have another year of Kyle Lowry being good, uh, or a couple years, but you know his body's gonna slow down eventually. Mm-hmm. What they do with Serge Ibaka and Marcus All in terms of can we trade them? Can they get assets back for some of those guys? Uh, I don't know. I think that I they. I mean, I think that it's, they can. It's a hard situation to be in. Well, but you know, for example, I don't know how the contract machinations would work, but can you get Marcus Gasol on the Clippers for you know something you know something like that where. A team that needs a front court presence could could take a flyer on them. I don't think that would happen because of the contract situation there. Yeah. But things like that, that where there are opportunities for teams. But the East, the bottom of the East is just not very good. I mean, I, one team I, I want to talk about that I think people should keep their eye on is Washington because why if Bradley why? Beal does not sign an extension. 
that oh, he all of a sudden. Oh, well, well, yeah, well, yeah, well, like, trade, well, right? well, I don't think we should look at the Wizards team. more than we should look at Brad. Where, right, where's that's, Bradley Beal going? I mean, Washington. Yeah. Where's Bradley Beal going to go? It's like our new Where's Bradley Beal going to go? Yeah, for sure. Atlanta's. I mean, their their core is looking. Atlanta's going to be fun. So Atlanta's going to be fun. And the the East is always not that strong at the bottom. So yeah, we're going to see some fun young teams there. Yeah, I was very perplexed by their uh their move in the draft to move up to four to, to, to get to grab deandre hunter yeah, right uh, who i think would have actually been available at you know eight or I, I don't think so i don't think he would have been available at eight yeah i don't know what you got by getting like, to be I, honest I, I don't i think uh, i think if you like a guy you go up and get him and the pray, the, the hawks i think the hawks bought themselves some like credibility with what they did last year uh, i mean not 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 trading for luka Doncic, but like you know getting trey young getting omari spellman uh, I mean, but they traded Amari Spellman, but okay, I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking myself into, uh, into not defending the Hawks, but, but uh, here's my problem. They, they, they right? got a, they got a nice look young at, team. Look at what New Orleans did with the picks that they had. They turned into Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander Walker. You're That's telling true. me that you're telling me that those two players are not worth more to you than DeAndre Hunter is. And I just think even even off the top from like a potential perspective, DeAndre Hunter is going to be certainly going to be a plus defender. Maybe at, at his peak is going to be like an like an all defensive type defender, like at, at his best, right? But like, I don't know. I just, I don't know that that was really worth it for them. I think that that was a bad trade. Hmm. I don't know that moving up was was better for them. I I think like the the extra draft pick that they got from Trey Young uh, could have been used more effectively. More effectively. I do like they, that they picked up Cameron though. I think that'll be kind of fun. I, I like him. I think Cameron was my favorite player in the draft this year. I think he's he's a, he's another distressed asset. I think he played uh, the team when when he played with RJ and, and, Zion, and Zion. I think that actually hurt his odds a little bit. Yeah, that's what I don't get. What are, what is with these guys forming super teams in college? Like, what are you achieving? <laughs> like, you're not like it's it's really hard to win an NCAA championship in college because like you're not, you know you have one bad game you're done. Well, and, and, and bigger like, than that, you you're playing against players that are older than you and stronger than you and have bigger continuity because a lot of these teams that win have seniors have and, seniors and players that have been on a team for a long time. I they actually may not wonder be if it's prospects. because the NBA has that requirement, right? You have to play one year before you go to the NBA, and maybe they're just thinking, all right, let's just team up together yeah, and, and let's try. Just, let's I mean, let's, just let's have get our, our best shot. Yeah. Championship. Well, we won't get injured because we can like stagger minutes and everything. And so yeah, uh, yeah then, I just then wonder they, if that's like, like my thing. retort to that is what What is your goal? Is your is your goal to like play with other other players or increase your your draft? The goal stuff? is just to fulfill the requirement. Yeah, the I think has. I think this, this is just a one year thing. I, think, I, I understand this argument, opinion. and we'll yeah. talk. We'll definitely talk about this later on a later pod as to the NBA considering the with the bringing high school players back and, and they should like that and i 100 percent agree if you if you can make money doing something you should be allowed to do it point blank period and especially with the way that g league uh, the new g league contracts playing places like uh like australia things like that are really uh, are more in vogue now i think that it's changing the construct of what college is and the idea that this somehow dilutes the college talent pool i think is a little ludicrous because college basketball still has a lot of really talented players and these one and done players leave after a year anyway so i understand that there's a lot of hype around it and zion was fantastic for that team but uh honestly i think it's the right thing to do but we can talk about that okay so guys last thing to do before uh we shut down the show for today i'm gonna go through all 32 teams and you're gonna say uh playoffs yes or no so it's gonna be a yes or no question so starting from the top atlanta hawks yes or no 30 teams, not 32 teams. 30, okay, 30. <laughs> there we go. Okay. 16 times two, but I get it. Atlanta Hawks? Yeah. Nine. Playoffs? No. no. This is the thing. I don't remember all the teams in the East off the top of my head, but I'm going to go with no. That's my 
initial gut. Boston Celtics, yes or no? Yes. yes. Brooklyn Nets, yes or no? Yes. Yes. That was a very slow yes for him. I'll wait, I'm waiting for him to go first. Okay. 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 You're, you're going for first this time. Charlotte Hornets, yes or no? No. Absolutely not. They're going to be the worst team in the NBA. Talk closer worst to the mic. Worst than the Suns? Worst team in the NBA, Charlotte Hornets. Worse than the Suns? Worse than the Suns. Okay. Okay. Chicago Bulls, yes or no? No. I'm going to go with no. Why the pause? Because they got a shot. I, I think that they, they actually legit they, they, they ended the year pretty well last I have year. To, I'm counting up how many East teams I have in the playoffs. <laughs> they may be yeah, at the end. Like a, we, have, we have two in the East so far. There's so. Miami, there's Detroit. We'll, we'll, we'll get through it, yeah. Okay, Cleveland Cavs. No, yes, no. Okay. Dallas Mavericks, yes or no? No. We're in. No. Denver Nuggets, yes or no? Yes. Yes. Detroit Pistons, yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, yes. Okay. Warriors, yes or no? Yes. No. You just wanted to see the reaction on my face, didn't you? You just wanted to see the reaction on my face, didn't you? Absolutely. What is yours, by the way? You can say yours too for all these. Yeah. Okay, okay. so I'll, I'll go I'll go down. Hawks, no. Celtics, yes. Nets, yes. Hornets, no. Bulls, yes. Oh, you say Cav- Bulls, yes. Yes, okay. I say Bulls, yes. Cavs, no. Mavs, no. Nuggets, no. Pistons. Wait, nuggets, you said yes. No? nuggets, yes, right? Oh, yeah, Nuggets, yes. Okay. Nuggets, yes. My, my bad. I'm, I'm just, okay. Pistons, uh, yes. Okay. Warriors, yes. Rockets, yes. 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 Pacers, yes. 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 Clippers, yes. Yes. Okay. Lakers, yes. Grizzlies, no. No. Wait, I didn't say anything about Okay, Lakers. okay, okay. Like, like, like the Lakers. Give me, give me a break. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yes. Okay. Grizzlies. Okay, Grizzlies. I'm. Um, so they have John Morant, Jaron Jackson, Iguodala right now, but he'll probably not be there for a while. Who no. else do they have? The answer's they're, no. They're definitely no. Okay. Because I, I kind of like their core. You but, can like their core, but they're Yeah, but it's too competitive, so no. Yeah. Heat. This is hard. Uh, I'm going with yes. I'm going with yes because I said no for the Bulls. I think the heater, like you, it's hard otherwise. I think they have enough talent there to yeah. make six. And Jimmy Butler will yeah. take you to the playoffs. I mean, yeah, they have enough depth. Yeah. Okay, I'm going with the yes on that. Okay, maybe I uh, maybe I switch my Bulls to no and Heat to heat yes. To yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Bucks. Yes. Yes. Timberwolves. No. No. Pelicans. No. I think they barely miss it. Uh, yeah, I think they barely miss, um, but I, I say no. So so wait. The West. I'm just thinking, who else is there? Who am I missing? Because there's one playoff spot open. Because OKC is not there. Well, I I think OKC is a, a shot if Chris Paul plays. Well, he. I think he's gonna play. I don't think it's gonna matter. Oh, are you kidding? Chris Paul plus Stephen Adams is a pretty potent duo. Uh, right, not I'm in the West. Say, I'm gonna say no for the Pelicans for now. Okay. But this is because I can't think of all the teams. This is the West, Vikram. Okay, Knicks. No. no. Thunder. I say no. No. I'm yeah, go I'm going to go with no, but we have five teams in the West that we said yes to. So we'll see what the, the three last teams are. Okay. Magic. Yes. Like, yes. Yes. They're going to make yes. it in the East. Dude. <laughs> no, the thing is, I'm trying to get all the teams in my mind first and then decide. This would be it. our seventh. This would be our seventh. Yes. This would be our seventh yes for the East. East. So we said we said yes to Detroit. Oh, I said yes to Detroit. I did too. Who am I, I did who's too. remaining? Toronto. I don't know about them. Yeah, they're going to be the last one, I think, in the East. Right. I'm, I'm, mm. There's a couple. All right, I'm gonna go with yes for now, but okay. Sure. S- okay, 76ers. 
Yes. Yes. Suns. No. no. Big no. <laughs> my Big. worst team. Okay. Oh, okay. Actually, the Cavs are my worst team. For like the third or fourth straight year, Cavs the Suns are, my are your worst team. Suns okay. are second worst. Okay. Um, Trailblazers. Yes. Yes. Barely though. No. Uh, they're they're going to be fine. I think, I think I, they I have think, the chemistry down. Yeah, they got Hassan like Whiteside, man. Okay, they got his. Oh, well, you're, you, love, you, 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 you love the big guy. I should have known. I think he's a. In Terry Sot's dropback system, look at how well Yusuf Nurkic did. Hassan Whiteside is able to do the same thing. He's I, I, long and he's going to stand there and block shots. I, I think he's he's a suitable filler until he's an American healthy. Okay. So I'm good with that. I'll say okay. Four or five, I think. Yeah, right. I think they're I think they're a fourth or fifth yeah. seed, dude. I don't think it's going to okay. be close. Uh, okay, Kings. No. No. I'm going with them. no. Too competitive. They're going to be close again. Okay, Spurs. Yeah. Yes. I'm gonna yeah. Say that. I mean, you can never bet against the Spurs. Spurs yeah. Yeah. Raptors. Yep. I think we have one extra East team, but we'll figure it out. But yeah, I, the sure. Raptors are yes. going to make the playoffs. I think I think I think the Raptors are good enough to make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, Jazz. Yes. Yep. Yep. Wizards. Nope. nope. And that's our Ed. thirty teams. Yep. Okay, I think so we have one extra East team. So so so, so like with that, you want you want to close out the episode, Varun? The way you, no, the way you, can you close do. Close it out. Drew, you're already so. Right there. Thank you for listening to the Ballistic Podcast for Varun and Vikram. I'm Guru. Was that underwhelming? <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! But, uh, but seriously thanks everybody for listening all right have a fantastic night i'll say goodbye for all of us all right and we hope to record more in the near future for sure peace have a good out night. goodbye